In the process of making Amplify's Guide to Academic Podcasting, Hannah and I learned a ton about accessible design. We originally wanted this outrageously loud color palette for our network branding and for the book. And I'm sure this comes as no surprise to anyone who knows Hannah. Bright oranges, neon pinks, you know, big impact colors. But what we didn't realize is color choice can have a major impact on who can actually access and enjoy our work. Like all the projects here at Amplify, our guidebook was a collaboration, and our learning on accessibility is really thanks to our team at Wilfrid Laurier University Press. If Amplify's goal is to increase the accessibility of scholarship in the humanities and social sciences through podcasting, accessible design is key. From transcription to alt text to visual design, accessibility is essential for some and helpful to all. Welcome to Amplified, taking you behind the scenes here at Amplify Podcast Network. I'm Stacey Copeland, Project Manager here at Amplify, and to learn more about these accessible design practices in the world of publishing, I'm joined by Murray Tong and Lindsay Honeywell of Wilfrid Laurier University Press. My name is Murray Tong. I'm the managing editor at WLU Press, and I help out with some of the editorial content that goes into uh, Amplify's documents, the website, and some of the upcoming publications. And hi, I'm Lindsay Hunnewell. I'm the production coordinator at Wilfrid Laurier University Press. I am involved with both print and digital production, uh, and I have a background in ebook and audiobook producing accessible versions of those. So I'm sort of the accessibility contact for uh, Wilfrid Laurier, for, well, for the press. And how I'm involved with Amplify is I was involved with the production and helping with design work and getting it produced into a product. So right now we have it as digital products, but it will also have a print version as well. So I was involved in all three of those uh, iterations. I invited you both here, as you know, to talk a bit about the process behind accessibility and design with the Amplify Guidebook, the guidebook to academic podcasting that we put out over the summer. And so I was really excited to have you both talk through a bit of this as as well, because a lot of what we were doing in making these decisions was over email and working through a lot of what that looks like and what the standards of accessibility and design are for Wilfrid Laurier University Press. And I learned so much. So my first question to start us off was, I'm curious to hear from both of you, in your work towards creating more accessible print and digital texts, what are some of the key accessibility questions that designers need to be considering in working with a publication? I like to think of accessibility as something that's helpful to everyone, but necessary to a few. So we're always trying to build in more accessibility features if we can, because it not only helps our current readership, but it helps, it gives it access to a much larger community. So some of the things we need to think about in design, the big ones are choosing colors, making sure we have alt text, making sure that if we have things like tables or graphs, that 
we have not just that information in an image that is readable to someone can read print, but is also included in the metadata and text so that it's readable by a screen reader so that communities that have problems with reading text only aren't missing out on that information. At our press right now, we've had a mandate that we've been trying to work more towards a born accessible way of printing and way of workflow for our books. Um, So what that means is instead of trying to take a print book that is already created and designed and um, out in the world and then trying to retrofit it to be an accessible version in digital, we're trying to work from the beginning to start adding in these accessible features that are necessary to help this product grow and be better uh, equipped to like be handled for accessible media. Even from the beginning, we need to think about color choices. We work toward the WCAG standard, which is a web standard for accessibility. There are certain color combinations that are really problematic for a variety of reasons. And a lot of people have different types of colorblindness. So Even from the beginning, when we're designing our covers or logos, we need to start thinking about what type of color combinations are useful and are going to really work with an accessible mandate. So after we've kind of got like the preliminary like colors, color schemes and things like that, we need to start thinking about what type of elements are going to be included in the interior and in the text and with images. Starting from the beginning, we need a lot of really good communication between authors for input into things like alt text, alternative text that a screen reader can read, and every single image or figure needs to have this to be able to be useful to someone who has a print disability. And Murray, to follow up, Lindsay's shared a lot of the key elements that need to be considered when we're looking at design for publication and what that means for accessibility. I'd love to hear from you, you know, was accessibility and accessible design something that you were super familiar with early on in your editorial career? If so, if you could expand on that experience, and if not, How has incorporated these considerations into your work changed your editing process and and your work process as a managing editor? Good question. I I think university presses, because of the university mandate, tend to have a bit more baked-in knowledge about accessibility. That being said, I I think um, getting things as accessible as possible is a bit new to to everyone. And um, there's still a lot to learn to to get both our past books up to snuff in terms of accessibility and making our books uh, born accessible rather than putting in the accessible features afterwards. So a big part of that for my position is reading up on the accessibility standards, keeping in contact with Lindsay, our sort of in-house expert on accessibility, and making sure that authors understand the principles of accessibility and why we're asking them to do these uh, little bits of extra work. One of the key pieces, as, as Lindsay mentioned, is alt text for all figures, tables, photographs, and so forth. 
it's uh, a bit of a lift to sometimes get authors and even sometimes myself to think about exactly what a figure or table, what kind of information it's trying to communicate uh, to a reader. It's it's easy for sighted people to to look at a figure and and get that information, but to put yourself in in the shoes of um, someone who can't gather all that information and uh, and convey it in all text is an interesting challenge sometimes. You mentioned sometimes it's a bit of a challenge to get writers and con- contributors, designers to really incorporate these accessibility standards in their work from the get-go. Um, what do you two think is behind some of those hesitations in learning and updating toward accessibility in publishing? I think the big challenge is it's not that they're apprehensive about adding accessibility. Everybody knows that and wants to work towards making things more accessible. So it's not that they are apprehensive about it being accessible. It's the fact that it's a change from their regular workflow and sometimes change is scary. And sometimes we don't feel like we have enough tech knowledge to be able to input it. Some of these changes sound really tech heavy, but in principle, they're actually quite easy to make really small changes to your workflows um, to be able to incorporate them. So I think the challenge mainly is being clear in our communication about what has to happen to make their manuscript that they all have already to make it accessible before they get too far into it. And usually it's just a couple of tweaks here or there because even adding a few accessibility features goes a long way. Work with the people who have the expertise in this. Sometimes we get a little bit bogged down with trying to make something 100% accessible. And 100% accessibility isn't really attainable because nothing is going to be 100% accessible for every single person. So our goal is more to make it as accessible for the largest amount of people we can. Once they realize that it doesn't have to be 100% perfect, that even if we're reaching like 70%, that's 70% more than we had before. Accessibility in digital space is really starting to be more of a norm these days, right? Like even Twitter, you can put in your alt text there now, which is absolutely amazing. And then, you know, it was so easy to work with our designer for the guidebook and for our network branding to to adapt to adapt to these standards and think more thoroughly about accessibility. You know, Hannah and I really wanted these outrageously bright colors, this this color scheme for the guidebook, originally not thinking at all that 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 would cause issues around accessibility for people who are engaging with the publication at the end of things. So having these conversations and having tools readily available for a designer to work with was super helpful and really was such a fascinating project to work through with you all. Um, I guess one last question for you. I'd love to hear, thinking about accessibility from the editing standpoint and from in a, in a university press or a small press, There's certainly some other small presses that maybe haven't taken these steps toward accessibility yet. What small actions would you be recommending as their first steps toward more accessible publications? That initial 
contact and relationship with the author or authors is really key. Getting the message of accessibility across to them and explaining exactly why we need this information, how this makes the product better and more readable, more available to uh, a wider variety of people. That's uh, that's a win-win situation for them and for the readers. And I'd just like to add that we have a lot of really great organizations that are working to help build accessibility and to help people like small publishers and small presses to get started. Just connect with, with organizations like the CNIB, which is the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, or NELS, the National Network for Equitable Library Services. They're great places to start, and they can give you hints and tips on how to start working it into the workflows and scheduling for a small press. If you have a problem, there's so many forums within our distributors and with other presses that are very willing to help you. I've definitely put out a question on an accessibility item I didn't know how to handle, and I got so many responses. And they're like, everybody's here to help each other. So I know it can be scary to start this, but just taking the first step, there's so many people there to help you out to get you to where you need to be. Like, don't be worried about it. Just just start with that first step and see where it goes. I know for me, it really opened up broader conversations around accessibility for other components of our project as well. So being an audio podcast person, I'm always thinking how important it is to have transcriptions, for instance. But working with the press also brought up questions around visuals like artwork and accessibility of the website and hosting platform that our podcasts live on. So it's been a really, really great process working on the guide to academic podcasting together. Thank you. Happy to do it. Lovely. I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, we got to work with you. It was, it's a project that I haven't had come across my desk while I've been at Wilfrid Laurier. So it was really nice to like, as a resource that is living primarily online, start from scratch and have something that's going to be actually born accessible. From transcripts and alt text to color choice and web accessibility standards, working with Lindsay and Murray at WLU Press has brought a whole new perspective to the way that I approach design. And yes, overhauling your workflow might sound daunting at first, but as Lindsay said, starting with a few small changes can make a big difference. You can check out our notes for a few links to get you started. And stay tuned for more episodes of Amplified, behind-the-scenes chats coming to you soon from our team here at Amplify Podcast Network.